From man's sweat and God's love, beer came into the world. Amen. Welcome back to the Go to Hell podcast. Strong opinions weekly held about Christianity, the church, and beer. I'm your host, Tim Curley. And I'm joined by my co-host, Colton Pierce. Colton, how's it going? It's going good. I'm back from Thanksgiving break. Back with kids, but I'm only back with them for a short while. I have a total of 10 days left until winter break from here on out. Uh, it's Thursday, by the way. I know we say that we record on Tuesdays, but um, it is... Uh, This guy just, sorry, we're watching a football game on the other side, and this guy just got rocked, and I think he's going to go to the sideline right now because clock right in the helmet. So, um, no, but I'm doing really well. I'm excited for um, to get some, a little bit more rest here in the next 10 days, but trying to get kids to pass their classes. I've got seniors this year, so um, trying to make sure that they're all good to go. Um and passing so that way they can move on and graduate so but other than that going doing really well how are you tim not bad i'm still uh it's been um, a month to the day that i got that sinus infection and i'm still coughing apparently the consumption's going around because everybody's got it i hear stories from people that i know people in podcasts i listen to of some crazy cough that Last like three, four weeks. So apparently that's what I got. So whatever. So, but otherwise I'm doing well. Football season's wrapping up and uh, we're going to have a treat of a show tonight. Not only because of what we're going to talk about, but topics tonight. But I do have a new segment. Let me get my phone. And for any of you listening, it's not listening to. Our new segment is not listening to the ASMR of Tim and Colton <laughs> drinking beer. <laughs> so this new segment is called What the X? What the X? So I'm going to read, we're going to read, when we do this, I'm going to read posts that I found on X or tw- Twitter, and then we're going to talk about them. And some of them are going to be like, what the X? And some of them are just going to be something for us to respond to. They might not be crazy or batshit stupid tonight it's gonna be a mix i don't even know what the hell x is what used to be twitter or is what used to be twitter oh i don't know okay keep going okay first one's like first one's the what the f so this is some post by where am i reading glasses (laughs) type four font this is by someone named brianna joy gray which i get some sense is somebody I should know about, but I don't really care. Uh, so she's responding to Dave Rubin. Yeah, okay, whatever. But So Dave Rubin uh, posts, uh, which is funny because he's a Jew. Well, he's Jewish, but I don't know if he's still Jewish. Anyway, he's he was born Jewish. Uh, billions of people around the globe are about to celebrate the birthday of a Jewish man who born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, but don't think Jews lived there before 1948. <laughs> he says fact. All right, fine, whatever. That's dumb. I mean, it's true, but it's all, the point you're making is overstating the issue. But So this 
gem of a person. Her response is... <laughs> her response is, Jesus was a Palestinian Jew. <laughs> what? The issue isn't whether Jewish people have the right to live in the region. Of course they do. It's whether they have a right to displace everyone else to create a Jewish ethno-national apartheid state. Okay, well, I somewhat agree with the second part. Very somewhat. I mean, there's a, a, a kernel of truth to what she said, but that was what got me was Jesus was a Palestinian Jew. I mean, technically. And the, the uh, responses were great. Uh, there was no Palestine when Jesus was born. He was it was Judea. Jesus was a Judean. That was the first one. Nope. There's... Nope. Nope. Actually, I'm gonna go back on all of it. And just so we're clear, no, I'm gonna set the I'm gonna set it all clear right now. Is that you? If if we're going by tech, if, if we're gonna go down to the technical technicality of it, uh, Jesus was a Roman Jew. Is who he was. <laughs> I was like, he was actually a fucking Italian Jew. Is there you he go. Was. He straight up, like. <laughs> Oh, man. I you could have what? made a huge sacrilegious joke right now where... I am logging in as Go I... to Hell Podcast, and I'm going to say what you just said. <laughs> Actually, Jesus was a Roman Jew. Whammy. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Twitter. The Go to Hell Podcast has officially responded. All you bitches were wrong. Tim, well done, me. Colton. I want you to look at me. <laughs> and we have to cut because I have such a great joke. You have to come. I there's no way I can say. I will be back in a minute. <laughs> That was all done in love. Oh, 100%. Jesus 100% has a sense of humor about this. If somebody could get... If somebody could he get had away to. Say he, that he, if somebody could get away with saying he's a Palestinian Jew. He had to have a sense of humor. He out, hung out with Peter for three years, for God's sakes. <laughs> yeah, jeez. <laughs> Lighten up, Francis. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So yeah, he basically was just like, Peter, why do you always have a stick up your ass? <laughs> The, and the Catholics are about to come after me right now. They're like, what? What did you say about the rock? Next you'll say something about Mary. Oh, bro, just you wait. All right. So the next one is from... This one's just... This one's a point I think we both agree on in terms of just what our view of the Palestinian conflict is. We're going to talk about one more thing about the Palestinian conflict. I know if some of you are listening to us, you're like, "That's I don't turn into your show to hear more nonsense about Israel and Palestine. I get it, but there's stuff that comes up that I I want to get off my chest on the show, So, but we'll try to minimize it. But uh, I think this sums it up well. It's by Martyr Maid. It's, uh, his name's Daryl Cooper. He goes by Martyr Maid. He's got a fantastic podcast of his own in fact he's got an entire six hours of the history of palestine going from like uh if you want to learn 
all of the nitty gritty, like who, um, what was done on both sides that was atrocious, what was done, why people did things, trying to understand from their perspectives why they did things, why the other side saw it as bad. Listen, find this guy's podcast. He's got a whole deep six hours, nine, 12, I don't know, some ridiculous amount of time. I'm just slowly getting through it of the history of basically the Holy Land and modern Holy Land. So Palestine, Israel. So listen to him. But he's also very good at trolling both sides that he's sick and tired of, much like us. So he says this. There are innocents and extremists, peacemakers and warmongers on both sides of the Israeli Palestine conflict, while everyone else lines up with the extremists and innocents on their preferred side, I'll continue to side with the innocence of both sides against the extremists of both sides, unless you're Jewish or Palestinian or have other some other personal dog in the fight, it's the position any reasonable person person should take. Here here. Yeah. Hundred percent. Right. Yeah, if you don't have a dog in the fight, you should be rooting for all people. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll move on to the next item. So, this is just a little, uh, I'm going to do a little thought experiment here. Colton is not prepped for either of our topics. No, he's not. I, this is this is the best part of the show is you just go cold turkey right into things. <laughs> This is how this is this is but this is how it is at like a bar where your friend just like well what do you think about this you're like well I hadn't had no time to think about it let me just spitball let me regret half of the things that I said last night yeah I got you you know you could you know you could put your effort into this show and do it to me too (laughs) oh (laughs) hammer down Uh, you, uh, you did with the music so well then you. Didn't we end up with a... Didn't I send you that article? Did we talk about that article? Mm-mm. No, we haven't talked about that article. Okay. So, uh, just as Israel had started its ground offensive uh, going into Gaza after October 7th, uh-huh. the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, went on television and he said the following. You must remember... What Amalek has done to you, says our Holy Bible. And we do remember, and we are fighting, our brave troops and combatants who are now in Gaza. Or this around is what he Gaza. said on TV? He said this on television. Oh. Colton knows the meaning of this. A lot of you probably listening to this don't know, but we're going to go into this. This is important. We remember our brave troops and combatants who are now in Gaza or around Gaza and all other regions in Israel are joining this chain of Jewish heroes, a chain that is started that was started 3,000 years ago from Joshua ben Nun until the heroes of 1948, the Six-Day War, the 73 October War, and all other wars in this country. Okay, so why is Colton responding that way? So the reason why he's responding that way is the use of the word Amalek. And what Netanyahu is referring to is the 15th chapter of the book of Samuel and what, if you're not familiar with the Bible, what Christians call the Old Testament. I don't remember if the, the Hebrew Bible. The Hebrew for, Bible. For if you're Jewish. Um, and Which is also, just so we're clear for anybody that wants to know, um, so... Are uh, the old so they're not lined up the same? Correct. 
So if you look at a Hebrew Bible, Hebrew Bible ends with Second Chronicles, I believe. Um, which if which chronicles retell the tellings of Samuel and uh, Kings. Yeah. So you have those two that it retells the story of the Jewish people, and that's how they end. The books are the same though, uh, unless you're looking at a um, a Catholic Bible. Uh, where they accept the they accept non-Hebrew texts, so those are ones that are in the Septuagint. Correct. Which there's only three. There's three of them. There's three Greek books uh, that are a part of the Old Testament in there, and those aren't necessarily bad. It was just Martin Luther who decided. Yeah, they're like, they're all books written from the late like Babylonian exile. Or yeah, it's right. they're, but they were just written, so we're clear, right. it, history shows that. There are lots of books that were written. Correct. In the late they're not. They're not. They're not in your Bible because they're heretical. It's just somebody. Just somebody. Just because Martin Luther decided that they should only have Hebrew texts. Correct. And it and it was him that decided that. And so the Protestant split. One of the one of the splits in the Protestantism was that 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 was going to be the case for their Bible was that they were only going to include Hebrew texts because it was true to. Uh, Jesus's religion or whatever and that's what they would have studied and that would have been their Bible and as opposed to the Septuagint but but as more and more data is coming out and more you know historical facts are coming out we know that actually probably a majority of those guys a majority of the people in them in that part because of Hellenism would have spoke Greek um, and so they probably actually knew of those Septuagint texts and also probably would have read them as well um, so, and they would have possibly been considered a part of their Bible. We don't know necessarily, but um, that's why uh, they are what they are. But anyways, um, so anyways, in the Hebrew Bible, um, yeah, continue with your, uh, you said it was in the, in. Okay, so he's, the, the, the trigger word is Amalek. Right. And. Netanyahu, uh, okay, so for a little more background, when Israel was started, when the state of Israel was started, it's not unfair to say, I think it's accurate to say, it's not It's not said in a judgmental way anyway, the state of Israel was largely founded by secular Jewish identifying but not religious Jews who were socialists and communists, a lot of them. And I, again, I don't mean that, oh, they're terrible because they're communists. I'm just describing them. That's what they were. Sure. Because um, they were coming, a lot of them out of Eastern Europe and stuff like that. It is only recent, and Israel has largely been a secular state. It has certainly had, like in the United States, oh, it's very much like the Jewish population in the United States. In the modern context. In the modern context. It's got a large secular population. It has its orthodox, it has its conservative, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It has recently, as it's gotten younger as a country, it's also gotten more religious. So when Netanyahu is using this word Amalek, he's doing it for a he is doing it for a purpose. A manipulative purpose, yeah. It's a manipulative purpose, but it's I'm gonna as I'm gonna point out, it's also it's it's all there's also something else in, insidious about this. So, um, this okay, like, I'm sorry. That's like dictatorship. I'm sorry. I'm not saying he's a dictator, but the when you pull that when you when you pull the religious card on 
<laughs> well, let me t- let me tell everybody what he's referring to when he says the Amalek. So what he's referring to is in the, uh, like I said, b- uh, book of Samuel, chapter 15. It's this book about, largely about Samuel. So who's Samuel? He's a prophet. What's a prophet? Prophet's basically an ambassador, uh, a person God's picked to be his ambassador. Usually it's with the king, but it's also the country of Israel, and it's his job to basically speak for God and um, tell everybody what God's thinking, what God wants him to do. So Samuel, uh, chapter 15, First, uh, verse 1, Samuel says to Saul, who's the king of Israel at the time, I'm the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people, Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when, waylaid, when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. Now, this verse has been debated. It's still debated. Like, is it to be taken literally? Blah, 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 blah. But basically... So I'm not going to read, continue to read like straight out of what the Bible, because it goes for several chapters. But what basically happens is Saul does what he's told in terms of he goes and attacks the Amalekites, but he spares the king Agag of the Amalekites and just basically takes him captive, but he slaughters all the people. And then he does not destroy all of the cattle and etc he basically takes everything that's of value like the best cattle the best the best sheep everything that's not weak the anything that's not now malnourished all of the best cattle etc and keeps it for himself and so the story goes on that because he didn't follow what god told him to then samuel comes back to him and says you're now not king because god doesn't like that you disobeyed him so that is the story in just saying that word, one word, that little phrase, you must remember what Amalek, Amalek has done to you. That is, that is Netanyahu saying, remember what they did to you and remember what we did to them. Remember what God told us to do to them. Yeah, remember what God told us to do to them. Now, you can say, now, okay. Let me t- let's take a step back and say, I think Tim, you're reading too much into this. Nope. And what? Well, give me a minute. Uh, look, give me a minute. Okay, maybe I am reading too much into this. However, thought experiment: If the Ayatollah stood up the same day and said, "Remember, it's does the same." quote something from the Quran and says, what are we supposed to do to the Jews and unbelievers? That would have been broadcast on all of the news outlets. The Israelis would have been going apeshit and saying, see, they are all about the genocide of the Israelis and the Jews and that this shows the level of their depravity. So if you want to, quote unquote, read into what's being said, judge both sides by the same standard. So we either read into what 
the Palestinians and the Arabs, the Muslims say, and we also read into or take for at their word what the Israelis say, or we don't. But this got a pass. It was not. It was. It was not widely reported in the media. I don't even remember how I stumbled upon it. But when I saw it, I was like, "What? Are you kidding?" I mean, I had to. I checked multiple sources to make sure somebody hadn't like intentionally because he gave he gave the. Uh, yes. He didn't give. He didn't deliver it in English. He delivered it in Hebrew or whatever. Um, so I wanted to make sure someone hadn't intentionally misquoted him mistranslated to make him look bad because that does happen all the time on the uh you have to be careful when you're listening to stuff where an arab says something in arabic or whatever the local language is and someone translates and says what it is i've heard seen too many times where people like yeah that's not at all what that what they translate into that's not what that that means so um and sometimes that's an innocent mistake, and a lot of times it's not. It's because the person knows you don't know what the hell they're saying, and you also don't know, uh, um, and you're just going to take somebody for at their word um, that you trans that somebody translated some way. So anyway, your thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, I, like I said before, I I don't think that the leader of we talked about this before, where there's this kind of generational stuff that kind of gets passed on, and 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 actually, again, I I'd like to relate it to the United States because I just feel like it's something that's a lot more relatable um, for us. So, like for example, I I do think that there's something to be said about. When in the United States there was slavery, um, because again we we today view that as something that's wrong. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. We all view it's that. It's the scar that it's the stain that will always scar our country. No matter even if we get back to like great like Martin Luther King idealistic race relations, it will still always be a stain that that scars us. Hundred percent. Or and, scar that. And if you look at, and if you look at psychology, and you look at philosophy, if you teach people that they are superior to another human being, then they will believe it. If you teach them that another, another human being, just because they are different, is a different class or a subspecies, they will one hundred percent believe it. Um. And so, therefore, it becomes a difficult matter when you're looking at, you're like, well, we look at it with a 21st century view on, uh, on slavery, and we sit there and we say, that was something that was wrong. It should have never ever happened, or whatever, blah blah blah. But again, you're looking at centuries of and why it took, and basically, our species needed to evolve. To where we became more aware and more sympathetic and empathetic towards people of our own species. That is something that hadn't existed I, for thousands of years. Not, not since Christ. No, thousands of years before Christ. Yeah. Slavery has always been an element of multiple cultures for thousands and thousands of years. 
And we're just all of a sudden, like, we're like, the United States is, like, you know, horrific for doing this. And it's like, what? <laughs> um, I'm like, I'm okay with you, like, sitting there. It, it's a terrible thing. I was like, if anything, actually, the thing that's the most appalling in my eyes is actually probably the Jim Crow laws and all that kind of stuff that went into effect after you said that these people were actually considered people yeah. and then proceeded to then do separate but equal kind of stuff. That stuff is more of the embarrassing part. I mean, it, it, slavery is really embarrassing, but again... That was a that was a global phenomenon for centuries. Right, global phenomenon for centuries. And so I understand that there is an element of of teaching hatred, right? I there is an element where if you were to sit there today and be like, well, why didn't white people stand up and say like, you know, African Americans should be free or whatever? And it's like if you are taught to hate, if your parents teach you to hate, or everyone around you teaches you to hate that particular group. And that's all you've ever known. Are you not going to hate that particular group? Ask gang members why they feel that way. And so it's, it's again, it's this survival instinct. It's this idea that comes around that. And so there's parts of me that understand that there are people in Israel that I I think that what you guys are what they are are they are people that have been they've been the victims for too long and and I think that there's a part of them that hate and that they, they have hate in their hearts as we talked about last week or the week before where we talked about this generational kind of stuff that's being taught to them being passed on and we can't ignore that at the same time, I acknowledge that. But as somebody who is now living in this current world, who also can sit there and say that that is wrong, what that guy said up there completely is embarrassing and completely wrong. You should never ever say something like that. That it, yeah. That I I completely agree with your statement that that's getting up there and saying like if somebody from somebody quoted something from the Quran about killing infidels or whatever and just being like, gotta wipe anybody else off the face of the earth the equip those the non-religious equivalent would be a president of the united states standing up after some kind of similar thing and saying our enemies are going to remember what we did in dresden and tokyo and then our enemies if they're <laughs> knowledgeable about history would be like okay so you're gonna carpet bomb and gasoline bomb and just basically just like destroy our city that's that's what you're that's what you're telling us oh no 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 no, no. we just mean we're, you're gonna get the wrath of us no you you very specifically used a very specific example of how you're going to dispense yeah. justice if, uh, if, so it's not unreasonable for me to imply that you're you're warning no, you're warning to and me I don't that even i'm gonna... think, i don't even think you went extreme enough i think if <laughs> if if you were japan if the japanese uh leader was to sit there and say you will know the wrath that manchuria felt if it was the united states and said oh, you yeah. will know the wrath that hiroshima 
and Nagasaki felt. Yeah. If the if a Jewish <coughs> prime minister got up and said, "You will know the wrath that the Jews," or the German uh, prime minister got up and said, "You will know the wrath that the Jews received." A hundred years ago, or eighty years ago now. Yeah. That's the type of bullshit that you just came up with, because literally you said kill every man, woman, and child. You 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 and said all we're going to kill every we're going to yeah. every living thing. And then what? <laughs> and I don't look. I, I'm not going to. I don't know what to make of how they're actually going about. I I, I don't want to get into this like in some military podcast where we're second guessing what they're doing. But then they are going in and just, you know, laying waste to the place in uh, quite a bit. So, um, so. And if that's not what you meant. No, no, no. No, no, no. I'm saying if that's not what you meant. Then do some reading to understand where we got that from. Don't sit there and say, well, that's not really what I meant by that. And I was like, well. Okay, then go back and read your scripture and then don't say what you fucking said. Because that's fucking dumb. I'm sorry. I'm like, you don't know what you fucking said. I was like, did you show up to church? Are you just like one of those people that just shows up to church once a month or once a year? Like you just show up for, you know, for Christmas and Easter, whatever it is. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to like say stereotypical Jewish holidays because I don't want to be like offensive or anything. And I was like, I've got, well, two. Not, not, I was like, pass, you just show up for Passover and Passover, Hanukkah and then you're like, Passover and Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, and then you don't give, and then you don't care about the rest of the year. Like, and you just feel like you're able to just, no, he, he doesn't get that pass. He, he's, this is a guy. You were the leader of a religious state. He's the, he's the leader of the religious party of a religious state. He is a man who's written many books. His father was a very he he comes from one of the most learned educated families in the history of Israel. He knows exactly what he's saying. That was said that was a statement made in that was a statement made on television that he thought no one would catch because it wasn't said in English and somebody caught it and to his To his benefit, wasn't really picked up by the news media. That was dumb as fuck. It was. It was. It. It was. Don't ever say that shit again. So, if you're listening to this again, don't take that as see you guys hate Israel. No, we're just pointing out. It's. It's. I, I'm pointing out stuff when I find it. I'm not trying to be selective and only pick on the Israelis. But you know, at this point. That was just one that really stuck in my crop. No, partially actually, because it's like the it's the equivalent of the the evangelical right in this country. The part of the evangelical right, not to say that all evangelicals, but the part the part of American Christianity that blindly believes in Israel and the state of Israel and how it's this, this fulfillment of God's chosen people and promise and all that. It's just as misguided. And it's just as misguided when we use it to justify what Israel does. And that's what he's doing. And he's just doing it from a Jewish perspective. And actually, what? and here's also, if you guys would like to see, they hate Israel. I think where we come from, this is actually one of the biggest parts as to, or one of the biggest reasons Tim and I wanted to have this podcast was we wanted to have a conversation that's not commonly being had. Correct. 
in our area and where we're from, um, where there's a lot of people that are, and and we wanted to have, and our target audience is actually people that are from this area that that have that. We wanna we wanted to start a conversation and maybe give a little bit more extra context, which we are hoping to do from this, where we're like, hey, can you see why that's messed up? And you're like, oh yeah, that's pretty fucked up. And you're like, yeah, no, that's not exactly what I want. Because maybe for you, you were like, yeah, I mean, like what Hamas did was pretty disgusting. And it's terrible, but I want, you know, I, I want other people to be okay that, that weren't, you know, necessarily involved in this or whatever. And it's like, but what, and, and if you're like, well, he was just talking about Hamas when he said that. He's just talking about the terrorist organization when he said that. And I was like, but if you're believing everything else that the news is saying that Hamas is completely embedded within the the political agenda of the Gaza Strip and therefore they're they're everywhere and they could be anybody and they're in these hospitals or whatever and all this kind of stuff is like, okay, then you have to believe that that's what he meant. Right. And don't get me wrong, I think that there's also something to be said about there are dumb things that leaders say on a regular basis because they are a little too emotionally involved in things sure i mean i look back at some of the stuff that george bush said after 9 11 and at the time i was cheering like everybody else and now i'm like oof, that just no i don't yep 100 percent. don't subscribe to that anymore with you're with us or you're against us 100 <laughs> yeah i I get, I get that. And so I'm willing to acknowledge that part of it where there's an emotional aspect to what it is that he's saying. Maybe he got a little too emotional and he's, uh, he's a little too riled up or whatever. And, and, you know, uh, and even, uh, you know. I think FDR had his moment, you know, and, and there's, it's tough, but at the same time, this is something that's, that's gross and grotesque and we can critique it and sit there and say, every leader needs to learn from this. There's a, there's a subtle but profound difference between Churchill saying, we will fight them on the beaches, we will fight them in the hills, we will fight them, blah, 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 and we're going to kill every living thing that, that is a part of that group of people. Yeah, and he's... Or invoking that story to suggest that's what's going to happen. And he says he's going to do it, and he's going to do it... And remember, Saul is not the hero in this story. Saul did not do as he was told. And so he's claiming this, like he's going to do it better than Saul. Like, so... Well, that's... Yeah, I mean, we could get on a whole side tangent of... of of the debate because there's a debate that God's testing Saul to see what how just he can be and so what what he really wants Saul to do is actually to kill the king but not slaughter everybody and he does the opposite and he kills he slaughters the weak and keeps the strong guy because that's how Saul thinks I don't know about all that but I don't um, know about all that either. I, that that if you're troubled by that 
uh, by that passage and you see and you say see that's why I don't support the Bible again that's why when particularly in the Old Testament I look at stories like that that's that's people interpreting what they think God wants them to do and that's how the story gets written down and and they're it's misguided views of what they want to do they're 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 they are failing miserably at understanding the world that 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 Jesus centered view is supposed to be and so that doesn't mean we condemn them and say Oh, see, the ancient Israelites were war criminals, and they were they were barbarians. It was, you know, sure you can say that, but that doesn't mean we just ignore everything. But it's, you know, anyway. So that's really no neither here nor there. But yeah, he didn't do what he was. So okay, but you're correct in pointing that out. That's also Netanyahu pointing out, like, so if I don't do it, then I get to be. Then I'm not living up to my responsibility as defending you as as the essentially the the modern day king of israel no yeah he claimed he was going to be Saul. okay so item number two i found this article on <coughs> and now we're an hour in so my consumption is going to start kicking in uh we're uh, some upon this article in christianity today it's called i stumbled in the steps of the good samaritan and I thought, oh, okay that's interesting I wonder what that's like what this is about so it's written by somebody who's not a regular writer for um christianity today it's a it's written by eric mclaughlin i'll put a link in the show notes if you guys can find the full article because i'm not going to read the whole thing uh, eric mclaughlin is a missionary doctor in burundi and the author of Promise in the Dark, Walking with Those in Need Without Losing Heart. So I'm going to skip 90% of this article because he's basically, he's telling a story. So he's, as I said when I read his little quick bio, he's a doctor in Burundi. He tells a story how he's going home from a very long day from work. Apparently he's got a couple hour drive on a road. On his drive home, he comes across uh, an accident. There turns out to be two people who are injured. Uh, one appears to be the one who looks more injured to a lay person and particularly no disrespect to people in Africa, but you know, people in the rural part of Africa who aren't exposed to medicine very much, they look at someone not illogically who's got a bump on his head and they think this guy's going to die. And there's a female and she's actually the one who's in much more need of critical medical care. He's got a RAV4. Um, he's trying. He's basically at first. He's arguing with whoever decides he's the head honcho at this car wreck because there's a bunch of people there already gathered there, and either because, quite frankly, it's a male and versus a female or whatever reason, this head honcho is insisting that the dude get taken to the hospital and the girl's fine, and the guy keeps trying to tell him with someone interpreting like, no, 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 no. she needs to go. And this guy won't back down, so finally he just figures out a way to get both of them in his RAV4. Takes him to the expensive hospital that everyone insists him to go to. When he find, gets there, he finds out it's a private hospital, so the doctor's like, no money, no service. Uh, goes to another hospital a couple miles away, uh, checks in there. Uh, nurse comes out and looks at the... <coughs> both of them she says what happened he tells her and she says god bless you you're saying or something so um he gets him into the hospital 
there's a stranger there. No, no, some the somebody who's friends with the dude tags along on the ride. And when he's leaving, he figures somebody's going to flip the bill, but they're still going to need money to get home or something, so I'm going to give them money. But he wants to do it in a way where if he gives them, let's say, 40 bucks, 20 goes to the dude, 20 goes to the chick. So <laughs> at first he figures I'm going to do this discreetly, and he, fig and he figures out that ain't going to work because this guy's just going to pocket the money. And there's a big crowd there because apparently, you know, I guess not a lot of stuff like this happens. Anyway, he he says publicly in front of everybody to see, I am, see this man. I am giving him $40. Please ensure, make sure that this man gives $40 to this person and that person. And I guess where things go work like your honor, you know, your word is your honor. He says yes. So if he doesn't, the mob's going to get him. This guy drives home. And so, uh, this is where I jump in. I think about how the Good Samaritan promised to return and cover all additional expenses. I live three hours away and have my own hospital patients. I guess the Good Samaritan may have also had such a level of responsibility. Regardless, I have no intention of coming back. The drive home is stressful. As night falls, but thankfully uneventful, as I drive past the accident site, I try to shield my face. I think the crowd, which is still there, may have recognized me, but I drive on. Late at night, I arrive at my house, collapse onto the couch, wanting to find tears, but feeling too overwhelmed. What just happened? I'm not really sure. My medical assessment at the, is that the lives of a couple of people might have been transformed, but trying to follow the Good Samaritan way was utterly different than what I imagined. Who was my neighbor, the man asked Jesus to spark the whole story. Go and be a neighbor, Jesus concluded. This story hurt me. My emotional well was near empty, and when the whole affair started, I and I ended up scraping the dry, uh, dry bottom repeatedly. I would decide to engage up to a certain point, and whenever I reached that point, I was asked to go further and further, again and again. But as Martin Luther King stated in his I Have Been to the Mountain speech, Mountaintop speech, the priest and the Levite ask, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? The Samaritan asks, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? <coughs> the parable calls us out of ourselves into a work of sacrifice for another. To love is to sacrifice, and sacrifice hurts. There were no heroics. Instead, it was a mess, a jumble of my own burdens and the unexpected burdens of others irreducible risk that came with entering a violent and needy situation a lonely experience that only took more to only took me more and more of me than i signed up for yet this seems to be what the parable actually looks like before this experience if you had asked me to respond to the call of the good samaritan parable i think i would have assented even if uh, hesitatingly but I now see my previous assumptions. I assumed such an opportunity for sacrifice would come at the time that was, if not perfect for me, maybe optimal, or at least not so inconvenient. I assumed that the innkeeper would greet me with a smile and that others would rally to collaborate. I assumed the cost would be more financial than emotional. I assumed stepping out in obedience, even if difficult, would end with a feeling of satisfaction, like the heavy breathing and sweat that came at the end of a good workout. But it's not like that. 
I can say as a metal edu- med- medical educator in one of the world's poorest nations that emotional costs are high, whether you're trying to help one or two individual people on the side of the road or addressing systematic problems that lead to people lying injured on the side of the road. Striving for such upstream system changes is wise, but also messy. Crises come with when we pray they wouldn't, and the risks and the costs may mount well beyond what we expect as we get pulled deeper and deeper into the fray. I'm reminded of these costs often as I have the dried blood I couldn't quite get out of the upholstery of my RAV4, but this mess and heartache is now the parable actually how the parable actually plays out if i could go back and do it again i would remind myself of some other words of jesus that never occurred to me that day jesus tells us in matthew twenty-five forty that serving people in the need is serving him he was present in my trunk unconscious he was present present in the room woman sorry <clears throat> he was present in the woman screaming my sacrifice was in fact an opportunity to carry my Lord around town until suitable place could be found. Let's not wait for some imaginary moment when circumstances and moods convene. Let us receive the inevitable injuries of our fallen world as the man, man as the plain. Let us receive the inevitable injuries of our fallen world as the painful yet blessed opportunities that they are. Let us evaluate the risks of Christian love together and support each other in our pain. Let us remember that our Lord is present in those who are in need and in us despite our own inadequacy. Interesting. <clears throat> so, I had this article, this article resonated with me, and then we can talk about our thoughts about the article, and then I'm going to tell a story that actually happened to me last night that completely coincides very uh oh what's the fancy christian word uh it doesn't matter that i lived out this story in a way last night so you want me to tell how how about i start since i'm the one who offered this and then you can play off what i yeah let's go what i'm thinking i like this article so basically, again, this guy's talking about how he has this situation turns into hours and hours, and every time he thinks he's getting out of this mess, it just it keeps going and going and going. And he doesn't expressly say it. I think there's. I think this is a clever article in that, or maybe I'm just interpreting a lot into what he said. You are. No. <coughs> I think when we read the Good Samaritan, because of the way it's written, at the, because of the way it's written, and frankly, because of the way we tell it, it's written in a very simplistic, antiseptic way. Like it, it's it's written as if we are to be like robots as Christians and respond as Christians, like in 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 as as robots. Samaritan shows up, he does the right thing, patches the guy up, goes, pays for his in, and then he's on his way. <coughs> well, it's leaving out all kinds of other things that were probably going on. <coughs> and I think that's kind of what this guy, he's not criticizing 
the parable Jesus tells. It's just that we, we don't, we, I think we have two problems. We live in a hero culture. We love heroes. And that's fine. I mean, all cultures have their heroes, but I think we've gone way into, we not only love our heroes, but we like convincing ourselves that we're all going to have these heroic moments. I mean, you hear like 20 year olds coming out of college, like, I just want to change the world. Like, honey, dude, you're not changing the world. And if you do, it's going to be in a way that you don't see. It's going to be like throwing a pebble in the, you know, in the ocean and it's going to be waves and waves and waves that happen well after you're dead. You're like a small cog of the wheel. That doesn't mean you're not supposed to. But I think we get, a lot of us get wrapped up these days and it's it's the whole thing. It's the, you know, I want to be the person that does this and start a charity and do TED Talks and all that. And I'm not saying that in a disparaging way, like your motives aren't pure. But we've built this thing up like I'm going to do these heroic things. And that's not, if we're Jesus followers, what we're trying to do. And in fact, doing the work of Jesus is a toil. It is a burden. It's usually a pain in the ass. It's often not at all what we signed up for. It's at a time not of our choosing. It's certainly at a, not, a, not a time of convenience. And it's not something when it's done where you just feel like, oh, look at, look. Look what I just did. This is wonderful. I feel great about this, that I got to sh be a shining light and, and a beacon to Jesus. You're left kind of dealing with the detritus or the, the, the crisis or whatever that you had to do. You're left. You're also impacted by that moment. And you're kind of overwhelmed and feeling all of the blowback of that. So uh, that's kind of what I took. And I think that's a a good warning and a, uh, reminder to Christians when it comes to the Good Samaritan and doing what we're called to do and, and be the face of Jesus. Yeah, I think last week we had a conversation and and I said something about, like, uh, we were talking about Martin Luther King Jr. And we said that his mission, if you think that that's, like, normal, um, then you're stupid. Uh, cause again, I, I, I believe that because I don't think that that's the natural response of human beings, right? Like if you're sitting there and you're like, oh yeah, just sit there and just get beat the, sh like have the shit beat out of you or just be taken to prison over and over again or watch your friends and your families get, watch your house get bombed. Let it, like, I don't. I feel like people don't have the sympathy or the empathy to understand what's going on. It's like, and people will see that and they'll be like, and people will change. Yeah. And that's not the world that we, if you saw your friend's house get bombed or you saw him get beat in the street by somebody, you'd be pissed and you'd want blood, you know, and for anybody that's saying no, I was like, when we had the podcast about, about violence and me and, uh, me and Andy had a conversation about whether we would take a gun to somebody or not. And they came into our house and they were coming after our wife and our children. And you sat there and you said that you would take a gun to them. Is that the Martin Luther King Jr. response? 
was like, because actually what he called for was nonviolence. Yeah. But all of a sudden, in the, well, if it's those parameters, right? then... Well, if they're members of my community, if they're people that are within my friend group, well, then okay. And so we begin to create these kind of worlds that we live in where we become extremely tribal. And so let me go back to your analogy or to this article's analogy where we're talking about the Good Samaritan is that actually what you're going to find is that if we do a lot of digging into Christians and who they actually care for, it's very much for the people of their tribe. Yeah, you're correct. <laughs> we're, we're, we're actually not fulfilling the the good samaritan story at all we're we're serving we're jews serving jews in 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 jesus's context or samaritans serving samaritans and the only reason why i brought up what we talked about last week is that i i think that it correlates to what it is that we're talking about this evening where it's it's this idea of we think that it's something that's so simple that you could just do what martin luther king jr said to do and you could just eat everybody should do that I was like, well, Jesus said that we should just do this. Right. And how many people do it? And now listen, and actually the argument that you're making is that Jesus made it too simplistic. And yeah, that's that's the thing about it is that well. there is a – is that that's what Martin – and my argument is Martin Luther King Jr. asked for people to do this and people are like, oh, well, that's just simple. That's easy. You just don't show you don't you don't do violence or whatever. And even if you're sitting there and because I still think that people when they talk about Jesus and they talk about what his mission is, I think a lot of people will, will say that it's hard. But if you ask them and you said, well, can you do what the Good Samaritan does? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, 100 percent. And say people that would sit there and say, can you show nonviolence? And they say, oh, yeah, 100 percent. But then when they're actually faced with it and there's the reality of the situation and all of the X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, A, all the way through, all the things that they didn't think about, can they actually do it? And nine times out of ten, I think that they can't. Very similar to what this article is talking about, where it is so much harder than just that simplistic story that that person told or that simplistic piece of history that you've heard about what Martin Luther King Jr. went through. Right. In his situation. Is it is so much more complex. There are so much more moving parts. There are so many more people that are hurt in this situation than you realize. And even if we look at the Good Samaritan story, we're like, oh, yeah, you just took him to an end. You like you just pick the guy up and walk for him, walked with him for 10 miles through the desert, an injured man tossed him on his donkey. And so he walked. Never mind the fact that I don't know if any of you have ever like carried somebody on a donkey for 10 miles. Don't know what the reality of that looks like. Dropped him off at an inn where the innkeeper's probably like, I don't want to deal with this motherfucker. And he said, I'll, I'll pay for whatever it is that this guy needs. I don't know anybody that's willing to do that. Pay for whatever this motherfucker needs. His food, water, medical bills. Yeah. It's like medical bills today are fucking expensive as hell. Our churches don't even do that. We're not like, oh, yeah, we're going to cover. Somebody's going through fucking chemotherapy. We're going to yeah. we're gonna cover that shit. <laughs> they don't do that. <laughs> and that's our own. 
Yeah, that's our own. Let alone a dirty, dirty, filth or nom- dirty filthy uh, uh, atheist or transgender 100%. person. 100%. We don't give two flying fucks. I, I, you, you heard me correctly, so I'm not going to say you misinterpreted what I said. I clumsily, I clumsily, because I hadn't really thought it through. So, and you, you did a good job correcting me on the Good Samaritan. We've simplified it. Jesus didn't oversimplify it. Jesus had all of, it was a succinct story. It was, (laughs) it is, it's why it was, it's one of the most, it's why it's a ubiquitous story, even amongst a lot of people who aren't Christians to this day, because it's a very succinct story. And at the time, it's succinct because it had all, everything nicely, all of the drama was, was built in there with what he said. So it's black and white. Israeli, Palestinian, Ukrainian, Russian, whatever. So it's Ukrainian helping a Russian. So right there, big everybody hearing the story when Jesus is telling is like, okay, it's it's a group of people who hate, hate the other group of people. It's an OSU guy helping out the Texas guy, the Longhorn. Or an OU, yeah, it'd be an <laughs> OU person helping out a Longhorn because the Longhorns always need it. Or or OU, a, OU is what I meant. A I don't Michigan know why I said OSU. Michigan fan having to help out a Oregon. Uh, Probably because OSU State. and Texas are playing in the championship yeah, yeah, that's this why. weekend. <laughs> They're playing on Saturday. Um, <laughs> well, that's true. All right, you just all right. We were so serious for a moment. Now you've just ruined the mood. So anyway, um, but then to your point. We kind of just gloss over like he took care of the guy without putting into any historical context like, yeah, this guy gets him, takes him. For all we know, it was like out of his way. But even if it wasn't out of his way, he's got to take this guy. He's probably t- he's probably accounted for on his trip in order to pack light, food for him, water for himself. But now he's taking this other guy. And then like you said – He's got money, which, yeah, <clears throat> people didn't have money, just extra money. He's got enough money. I think sometimes we just apply, okay, well, he's a rich Samaritan. What's the big deal? <clears throat> well, the text doesn't say that. I think what Jesus is implying is in every single way, he's giving up He's giving up the ride, the donkey or the whatever, the, the mode of transportation he's giving up for the dude. He's giving up some of the food and water provisions he had accounted for himself on the road on the trip he's going. Because remember, he's still going somewhere else. So this guy's dipped into whatever he's planned. I got five days to get to so and so. I got five days of provisions. This guy's giving it up, and he's got X amount of money on him. He ain't. He, here's a little tip, folks. If you're on the road where everyone's getting robbed. You ain't carrying a lot of more a lot of money other than the money you need to get from A to B. So he dips into the money that he's got planned to get from A to B to, in order to pay for this guy to be in an enemy like I don't need whatever I was going to pay for. We don't delve into that story enough and I think I think partially it's just cuz pastors if I'm being honest it's because I think pastors know who they're talking to. They're sitting in front of a room full of Christians who have heard this story since uh, Sunday since school. No, since their conception. <laughs> since their conception. Since mommy and daddy were talking to them in the womb. And they all know the story. 
But they never they never take the time to challenge everyone to get out of the Sunday school version of the story and say, no, I don't. You think you know the story, but you really haven't thought about it. And listen, also, I don't like. I don't like projecting into stories. I don't like sitting there and being like, this is what this person could have been thinking, especially when it's a parable. Sure, that that's fair. But Jesus told it in a context where people that were there would understand what it meant. I don't know that pastors should do that. I think if we're reading the Bible, I think it's fine for us because we're taking something out of it. Just to be no, I'm I'm being serious. I think it's fine for because you're getting something out of it that's challenging you in a way. I think that's fine. I'm not sure pastors should shit shit should sit in a room but a bunch of people and maybe do that i don't know anyway this is neither no 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 that's a i that no i think that's a i think that's a fine statement to make i think that always at the forefront you should always look at historical context first and sure. be able to discern from there and sometimes i don't think pastor but pastors look at historical context and mainly what i'm getting at is the luke or not luke it's the john is it John 4? I'm pretty sure it's John 4. It's the he who doesn't, the cast stones or whatever. He who is without sin, may he cast this first stone or whatever. But also in that he goes and draws in the dirt. And then oh, pas- yeah. oh, pastors yeah. out of nowhere decide to like spill bullshit about what yeah. the fuck Jesus drew in the dirt. dirt and we've been over it on the You know podcast. what I would like to sit? I would love to I sit. I would love to hear a pastor say that he drew a dick in the dirt because that's what Jesus would okay. do. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's the South Park answer. <laughs> I was going to say I would love to sit in a room with a pastor telling that story and he says 100% he wrote my name <laughs> down on the ground. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the douchebag. <laughs> Dude, fucking... Dude, I I have heard pastors. I have heard them say he writes down all of the sins of all of the guys that are there. I think you and I both know a guy who had some kind of similar 100%, bullshit. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm talking about that guy. <laughs> yeah, where I was like, no way, you just said that. <laughs> there is no historic that. Just so we're clear, for anybody that doesn't know about John Ford, that that particular piece of scripture is already like controversial to be in the bible like that it's already controversial to be in the bible and then you go and you say that like (laughs) golly that particular script is that particular the old the the oldest manuscripts do not have that. You're looking at the Correct. the next like oldest manuscript that has that particular story in it is John's oldest manuscripts are like 100, 120 AD. Um, you're looking at the next oldest manuscript that has that is probably like anywhere between 400 to 700. And if you AD. own a good Bible, it will have a it will have a notation there, it and you will look down at the bottom. And it will say, hey, just so you know, some manuscript, not all manuscripts have this. So it's controversial. It's not, we're not really sure if this is actual, actually in there. So. so to get back to the Good Samaritan, I think, but, and I don't know if, I don't think Tim's wrong in what he said earlier where he's like, you know, you know, there's robbers on the road, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and I think that these are things that people would sit there and know. 
I, oh, it's not even about if there's robbers on the road. You don't sit there and travel with your entire wealth on the back of the camel. <laughs> exactly. Like, uh, it's not like that's the camel is your mattress at home that you're just shoving money underneath. Like you take it for what you need for the trip and then you go. Um, and he may have been going home. He may have been going. To, that's not the point of the story. Right. The point of the story is that this guy saw somebody who was in need and completely, completely is the word, stopped whatever the hell he was doing and took care of that person. And yes, it acknowledged the fact that the guy says, hey, listen, I've got business. I've got stuff I got to do. I can't sit here and nurse this guy back to health. Because that's a lot of us. Actually, it's the majority of us. We can't sit there and do that. We completely know. But then he gives his money on top of that and says, but whatever he needs, it's on me. But we don't do that. I can honestly say that I've never done that. Where I've said, whatever this guy needs, it's on me. Yeah. And where, again, it's not... And this is something that was said in yours is that it's not in this article is it's not whatever he needs today. It's on me. No, it's whatever he needs for the next week is on me or whatever he needs after this is on me. We don't do that. Mm -mm. And that's until he's better. Right. We're talking about that homeless guy or whatever, where it's like we buy him the one meal for today. Hey, I'm going to buy you a meal for the next week, and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to check on you and see how you're doing. If you need meals for the next week, okay, I'm going to get you meals for the next week. And I want to talk to you about, you know, how's your life going and, and what, are you, what are you up to and, and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying we're sitting there and we're, like, trying to force a job on them or whatever right. and that kind of stuff. No, it's just, hey, how, how are you doing, man? Have the meals been okay or have you been, have you been all right? And I know people are out there and they've had bad experience with homeless people and they're like, oh, they take they take the food that I give them and say, oh, this is all you got me or whatever. Right. All that kind of stuff. And I get that. But that's not your job. No. Their response is not your job. You know what homeless are? You know the equivalent of the homeless in the in the New Testament? It's the lepers. Yeah, you don't want to see them. You want them outside of town. It, they're out, you want them outside of town. And also, there's a religious context that's... Is it expressly said in the New Testament? I think it is. I think it's also... A, I mean, it's a American context. Uh, well, but in the New... It, it's, it was believed at the time by the Jews and probably also by pagans as well in their, in their religious context. That you, you didn't... Part of this is just because it was. It's not when I say this. It's not because Jews were misguided or Roman and Greeks were misguided in their in their religions. Because people didn't understand disease the way we understand them today. But it was it was it was understood at the time, particularly by the the Pharisees taught that if you had leprosy, it's because you had some kind of gra grave sin in oh, your 100%. life. Yeah, no, that was and to, to point that in our direction. That's what we do with the homeless. Well, they're homeless because they got a drug problem or they're too lazy to get a job or blah, 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 blah. We just, there's some reason to build in like, it's not, that's not my problem. 
they're that way by choice by choice and if you're listening to this i just want to be clear because i want this we have to make it clear every time we get in discussions like this nope don't don't make it clear (coughs) double down on this shit if you disagree look i'm gonna I i do have a story to tell and it involves a homeless person I have, a, I have a particular view about how to deal with the homeless. You might disagree. We're going to agree to disagree. And you might think I'm stupid or something or misguided. I'm not stupid. You're, you think I'm misguided. And I think you're misguided. Neither one of those things impact whether or not a Christian. We're both brothers, sisters. And so I just, I, again, I want to make that clear because so many times within context, everything gets to turn into this. Well, you don't agree with me on this. And so we're just... the. the Tim likes the homeless or deals with them, so he must think I'm a terrible person. That's not what I'm saying. <clears throat> and when I do tell my story, I am not using this as some like playbook that I'm challenging everybody to do. That's not the point of the what this the Samaritan thing. That's not the point of us talking. Just pointing out that <coughs> homeless are like the lepers in. Um, the New Testament or the story I'm going to tell in a minute. I, I I just it's it's something to talk about. But I do think 100. I mean, and I and Jesus was the one who was like, yeah, they're lepers. We're still gonna. So what? So what? All right, you want me to tell my story, and then we wrap this up. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so. I had to go to Target last night, where we live. Uh, I have a Target nearby, and it has gro- it's got a grocery store portion of it, and it's the, by far the closest place near me that's got. It's also got the best groceries. It's like one of the best grocery store targets. Like some people are like, "Oh yeah, my Target has a grocery store." No, 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 no. no for, your, as, your Target's grocery store does. We have what was one of the original Super Targets, and it its design was to be. Uh, a grocery store in a Target. Right. So, like, if you're sitting there and you're like, I go to Target, but I don't, like, I can't find this, or I can't find that, or I can't find this, and I can't find that, that's not what we're talking about. No. You can find everything that's in a grocery store inside Target minus specialty items. Right, and you're not going to get, like, the entire, like, 5,000 cereal aisle and stuff like this. is smaller. But if you need something, it's going to be there. Like, I, I need something... I need something... Uh, important staple to get dinner done it's there yeah you're you're not all that you are missing is specialty items like even then they got a lot of specialty items they just don't have all the specialty items but Uh, right exactly so this place is like i don't know three minute drive from my house depending on how bad traffic is i go there i go inside i have to get a few things for dinner uh i come out Oh, I have a few things for dinner, and then on somewhere, I don't know what happened, but somewhere in the store, I wound up with like three six-packs of beer, but that's another story. (laughs) So I'm... It's actually tonight's story. (laughs) I'm walking out the parking lot towards my truck, and I see coming towards me someone on a Razor scooter. And I cannot tell. I can see their face. And because they're clearly homeless, it's, you know, it's got that leathered, very suntan face. And then they got short hair. I don't know if it's a male or a female. And they're coming at me. I'm like, all right, let's see what see what happens here. 
Because I, I always now at the point like I know some of you people, some of you guys listening still might be like offended like when you get asked. What do you mean, you people? You people. <laughs> I always try to. I'm always interested in like okay, let's see what how I get propositioned here. Like, is it because I've had I've had people ask straight up for beer. I've had people straight up ask for money. I've had a few people. This one was new. They asked you for sex. No. <laughs> this they person said. comes up. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> she they open up their voice. They said, "Put your no, baby no, no. in." No, 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 no. It's actually <laughs> more surprising than that. No way. <laughs> I was like, this is a new one. Particularly if you have a cynical view of homeless folks, like they're always trying to pull a game on you. Comes up, opens up her mouth. Okay, we got a female here. Do, sir, do you have a blanket in your truck? Oh, that's the first time I've not heard that before. No, unfortunately, I do not have a truck uh, blanket in my truck. Not to be at all undeterred. Can you go inside and buy me a blanket? And I said, give me a minute. Go to my truck, 10 feet away, put my stuff in the truck, walk back over. So you need a blanket. Yeah, I'm staying over an encampment over blah, 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 blah. I got my two brothers. It's getting cold. We don't have, you know, we don't, I, I said, okay, how many blankets you need? Two. Okay. What else do you need? Well, food would be nice and something to drink. And I said, okay, well, uh, you know, how about water? I get a look on my face like, nope. And I'm thinking, you ca- you caught me on the wrong night. I'm, bu- I'm not buying booze. I have, so let me stop right there. You're what? You'd buy bloop? Yes, I have bought booze on two occasions for homeless people. The first time I bought the booze and I bought them a full meal and I had to leave because literally my wife and I were leaving like an hour to go out of out of the country. So I had no time. Second time I did it, I said, I will buy you a bottle of booze if you agree to eat a sandwich with me and drink a bottle of water in my presence before I give you a 40 of Globe High Life. Done. Sat there, had a meal with a dude. We talked. He drank his bottle of water. I said, winner, winner, you get your bottle of Michelob High Life, uh, Miller High Life. So anyway, I was not buying booze on this night. She says, so she gives me a look. She's like, eh, we have a water faucet where we're at. I, how about soda? Okay, fine. Soda's fine. Uh, what kind of food do you want? Because here's a little tip. If you're, dealing, if you're interested in getting food for the homeless, ask them what they want. And you're like, what? They are not going to ask you for anything extravagant, and the reason why you need to ask them what they want to eat is because, truthfully, most of them have teeth issues because of uh, the drugs they've been doing and all kinds of other things. Uh, no dental hygiene, no dental work. So you need to polite just for their, just to be polite, and so they can eat whatever you're going to buy them. Ask what they want to eat. So I said, "Well, what do you want to eat? Sandwiches? Well, we have a pan, and we have." A stove and we have tortillas and I said, done. I know I'm I'm good. I'll be back ten minutes. Wait by the truck. Go inside. Go to the meat section. Buy two tubs of uh, ground beef. Go to the cheese section. Buy a bag of uh, shredded cheese. Then head over to the blankets. Buy two blankets. I got this stuff and I'm like, so I'm sitting there waiting in line for her to to for me to check out. I'm thinking. This chick's, this poor chick's on a razor scooter, and I got two full bags when I'm done, because I got, you know, these blankets are all folded up. That they basically take up a whole bag, and then everything else is crammed in there. 
how the hell is she going to get back to her camp? And I'm thinking, and I'm telling this because we all have these moments, particularly when we're dealing with homeless, like, well, how am I getting scammed out of this? And I'm telling this because just to be full honesty, like I had that moment too. And part of it is, I think, cynicism because we want to talk ourselves out of it. But in this instance, it was me trying to be safe and careful. The cynicism usually kicks in at the beginning where we're like, oh, they just want money to buy booze or whatever. So I'm thinking, how is she going to, if she asks me for a ride, that's going to be a problem because there's no way in hell I'm letting a homeless person, let alone a female, in my truck because I'm not letting a female in my truck because that can lead to all kinds of accusations. Or she's got a knife and even though she's a female, she's got a knife, that's it. My truck's gone. I could put her, have her dump all of her stuff in the back of the truck and then drive her uh, to the to wherever she's going with her in the back of the bed, which is against the law in California, but eh, I don't really give a shit. I'll, I'll risk getting the ticket. Or third option is... Uh, you let her ride away on it. The third option is she rides her scooter with, my, with her stuff, uh, the stuff I bought for her in the back of the pickup truck, and I follow her to wherever she's going. So, and then, sir, sir. Uh, so... I'm walking out there, and she comes zooming to me, and I say, how are you getting all this stuff back to where camp is? And she says, I was like, when she said I was like, I don't, I don't know why I didn't think of that. She says, I'll take one of the Target carts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. And I'm like, well, that's theft. Well, okay, whatever. It's not my problem. It's Target's <laughs> problem. So... <laughs> And look, if some of you are listening, it's like, what? You're condoning? Shut up. Um, so, okay. All right. You're going to take a cart. And I said, are you going to bring it back? And she said, sure. I'm like, okay, whatever. So uh, I run through, I run it through what I got for her. And she's ready to sk- skedaddle away. And I say, hey, what's your name? And I'm not going to say her name. She tells me her name. And I say, uh How long have you been on the streets? 20 years. Damn. And as soon as I asked that question, she went from from being engaged to looking down, not able to look me in the eyes, and feeling very ashamed. And I said... You don't have to, you, this is a safe space. You don't need to explain yourself. And she said, thank you. But that, that countenance never changed for the next couple of minutes. And she proceeded to tell me how she grew up in an abusive home. She was living with a group of people who claimed to be her. And, you know, who knows how much of this is true? I don't know. The, the, the thing of it is, is nope, to matter. the point of the story that I read before, we talk ourselves into being skeptical and saying, that's not my problem. That's just a dirty, that's just a dirty Jew. Uh, I lived with uh, some people who aren't really my family and they get all of my disability. And yes, I have mental health issues, including d- severe depression. I've uh, tried to commit suicide several times. And I, you know, I'm just trying to do my best. And I said, and you told me before you have two brothers. And she said, yes. 
They've had to flee. They've had to leave my family's house as well. So I told her, I said, look, you don't have anything to be ashamed about. I know enough. I don't, I don't know. You've described to me a very shallow, a, a very, I didn't say shallow. You've just, just briefly described your family situation, your background. And I don't know if this applies, but I do know that we have, those of us who aren't homeless have this idea that you're all just mentally ill and have uh, drug addiction problems. And what really is going on is you got, you grew up in a really lousy family situation and that's what's led to a lot of these problems. And she says, yeah, that was my problem. And so at this point I'm like, to be honest, I'm like, all right, I'm ready for this to end. <laughs> this is, this is enough. And I want to end it on a, on a bright note. So I say, well, so-and-so, you got lucky tonight because you hit the one Jesus follower who was actually willing <laughs> to buy you two blankets. Because this crowd in Tulare, I'm not sure how many people would have taken you up on that. And and she said, I know. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm making light of it. I said, you know, I'm not trying to judge people who would have who said no. But I said, you, you got lucky because I said I've been involved with homeless stuff. And so you, you got me and you got me on a good night. And so uh, we talked a little bit more. My wife called right when we were at the end of the conversation. I didn't get to answer the phone. So we say our goodbyes. And I will admit <clears throat> I get in the truck and I'm hitting redial back to call my wife back. And I lost it for about 10 seconds. Just because the situation. Yeah. We had a recent episode where we talked about the destruction of family and community leading to all these problems. And this is the, the face of it. And I assure you at no moment when I was walking through Target or talking with this person or later did I ever feel like, wow, this is really great. This is my good Samaritan moment. It was a punch in the gut. Yeah, it made me mad. It made me sad. <laughs> Not to rhyme like Dr. Seuss. But at no point did I feel like, oh, great, someone saw the face of Jesus tonight. And to get back to the article that was written. Whatever, one fish, two fish, from red fish, red fish. <laughs> get out of your soapbox. I'm kidding. Go. <coughs> so that's it. No, 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 finish. No, that was it. That was it. So I thought you said you were going to get back to it. What do you, what no, man, that was my point. It was wrapping it up to what that guy was talking about earlier. We don't have these moments where we – I don't – a lot of these moments where we get to be the Good Samaritan, it's not somewhere you like walk away and like, ooh, that was my Good Samaritan moment. I feel really good. And, again, I'm not trying to make that sound like we have this moment where we feel really good about ourselves. I truly believe it's like, oh, we feel really good. We've done what Jesus wants us to be. We're the face of Jesus. And I think what the article, the guy writing the article that we quoted from, and my point is, no, a lot of the times these things take it out of you and they kind of haunt you for a while and you don't feel really good about it. And you don't feel like, you know, in the back of your head, you're doing what you're supposed you're, you're obeying what Jesus called. You're living out the Samaritan moment, but it's not like you're feeling like, oh yes, this is it. This is my moment. This is me get to answering the call. Put on my red cape that says with with Jay on the back and say, here I am to save the day. It's like, no, you're now living in the detritus 
for an hour or two or a couple days or whatever and it haunts you and it sticks with you and it makes you think like what am i doing with my life why do i get to live like this and why do other people live like that and why don't we solve those problems and why am i fortunate not to live in a family where people get sexually abused and all that other kind of stuff and that's i'm sorry folks that's what it means to be jesus follower it's not like yes i fed 500 homeless people today. This is awesome. We're building the kingdom. That's not what this is. That's not what the building the kingdom is. A lot of it is getting in the shit and feeling like shit. Well, that's only because you weren't wearing your WWJD bracelet. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> I scrapped that, scraped that off my truck a long time ago. Oh. No, I actually didn't have that one. I had the one... The other one that was going around was like pray, blah, blah. It was like the three things. It no, was like. He is greater than I. <laughs> you were like, I'm into math. <laughs> I think that's it. Don't, that's it. Don't, don't make no. me double down off of your story thing. I was like, go, go from there. All right. Well, we thank you for listening to this episode of the Go to Hell podcast. As always, subscribe, rate, and review so others can find out how they can or cannot go to hell. And if you'd like. No, I can't say. I was going to say if you like the watermelon Eldorado, go to hell. But I can't say that anymore. If you don't like Ballast Point Brewing Company, you can definitely go to hell. Yeah, 100%.